Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Hello and welcome to Good People, Cool Things. This is an episode that's from the vault going back to 2019 when I hosted an episode with Dave McDonald, who is the founder of Crafted 1K. And I really enjoyed this podcast It's from a year and a half ago, but it still rings so true. Dave talks about how he developed a love of comics and doodling at a young age. Shout out to Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield, the two top comics for doodling along to, uh, at least that I think. I cannot draw Calvin to save my life, but that's just such a good cartoon strip. We're geeking out about it for sure in this episode. But we're also talking about how Dave accidentally stumbled into a sales career and how that led to his current business. It's just a fantastic story of following your passion. And hey, sometimes you're going to accidentally discover what you enjoy, what you like doing. And those circuitous routes are sometimes the most fun things in the long run. So we're talking all about that, how Dave got to where he is today, and how you can use your own branded content to engage with your customers, your audience, and make more sales, make people happier, which are all great things to be doing. And as a reminder, all this month, all February, support Good People Cool Things at the merch shop. Head over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. Everything is 20% off. It doesn't matter what you get. You get one hoodie, it's 20% off. You get four mugs, five hats, three shirts, a little baby Bjorn. It's 20% off. Your whole order is 20% off. It's fantastic. There's no minimum, no maximum. Go hog wild because we're celebrating one year of good people, cool things. We're now past the year threshold, but we're still celebrating all month long. And all of your support not only gets you some cool swag, it helps keep the show running, getting all these great guests and sounding fantastic so you can keep doing cool things. But enough of that. Let's hop on into the conversation with Dave. It sounds like you were a cartoonist. You had cartoonist aspirations from a young yes. age, uh, but it looks like you know maybe maybe a couple couple different detours along the way. Uh, so can you just kind of talk about your journey growing up? Maybe a couple cartoons that you loved reading as a kid. Yeah, no, obviously. So cartoons were huge for me. Um, the big ones back in the day were obviously Calvin and Hobbes and yes. and Garfield were like my two go tos as a kid. And it was always, uh, for me, it was kind of like my little, uh, my little place to get away. I had a little bit of anxiety um, growing up and doodling and drawing was kind of like my reprieve. It's like today's meditation. Back then it was, it was me pulling out a pencil and doodling a little bit. So it was always ingrained in me. Actually, there was one time in elementary school where my mother had to write a note to the school to tell them that it's okay that I'm doodling. I'm still listening to them. <laughs> because they, they thought I wasn't paying attention in class. But that's, you know, even, even when I got older through college, that's most of my notes are kind of like these little uh, doodles and drawings, but it's, it's all the info. It just looks a little different. Oh, yeah. I've seen, I've seen folks uh, at conferences, I'll see them taking like doodle notes. And I, I'm always impressed by it. I'm like, this is a lot neater and cleaner than my furious scribbling of notes. I just wish I could, you know, competently draw something that I could understand. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, man, so that was, uh, that was big for me for a while. And then continued to, to draw kind of for fun and then got into a couple of newspapers through high school and then college. And then after college, I worked at a, uh, a newspaper called the Albany Business Review. 
It's part of American City Business Journals. And I got a chance to cartoon in their paper for about a year and a half. Um, so it was really cool. It's, you know, definitely awesome. always something, always something that's been around for me. Awesome. Do you remember the very first uh, strip you ever got in the paper? Um, the first one that's, that's memorable was, well, this would have been, it, so I went to college at a, an upstate New York uh, Franciscan college called Siena College. And in their newspaper, the Promethean, I created a cartoon called Saints Be Praised. Nice. So it was fun because on campus, there was a, a bunch of uh, friars would live in each dorm. And they were kind of cool guys. We just get to know them as, as people. You go to them for advice, for guidance. Occasionally, when you're old enough, you can grab a beer with them. Um, but that, that was my first fun strip where I, I took a lot of those experiences of what it's like on campus and put it into a friar in, in cartoon form. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the other one after that, when I was in the business review, that cartoon was called Life of a Salesman. At the time, that was when I first got into sales. So I was making uh, jokes and lightness of anything you went through from cold calling to hang ups to getting shut down or landing a deal or, or fighting with office supplies. So that was, that was kind of like a, Dil <laughs> a Dilbert-esque cartoon. It was fun. Nice. Yeah. There's plenty to draw from uh, in sales, I would imagine. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Every day is an adventure. <laughs> so you had mentioned to me that you kind of accidentally fell into sales. So how did that happen? Yeah. Well, when I, uh, I went to school for marketing and then when I was at the business review, it was actually their marketing coordinator. So this was 2008, 2000, early 2009. So, um, I was working with their first email newsletters and starting their, uh, their Twitter account was kind of like my first two projects. And then a couple months into it, the sales guy that sold the paper, this, these papers were going to like CEOs, sales managers, executives that were using the information that's going on in, in that marketplace and use that to make their decisions for their day-to-day -day lives. So he quit. So they were out of anybody to sell the paper and the publisher came up to me. He's like, would you mind doing this for a little while? So they helped him out. I said, yeah, sure. And then after that, they dissolved the marketing coordinator position and I got, I got jumped right into sales right off the bat. Nice. Nice. And so I'm, I'm sure some of these were probably chronicled in your comics, but do you remember a particularly a sort of intense sales interaction you had? Well, most of it was, uh, because that, that particular role was an inside sales role. So you were, you were hammering the dials out, 80, 90, 100 calls a day. <laughs> so there's plenty of cartoons about losing your soul into the telephone. <laughs> without, without a doubt. So that's, that, that was my coping mechanism, we'll call it. Because there were, there were some great days when you actually had something that works and you got a sale, but there's plenty of, of hang up, stop bothering me, who are you, how'd you get this number? That you're like, all right, let's... Let's see if we can make something of this. <laughs> nice. And so how long were you in that role before you kind of realized, wait a minute, I can combine my cartooning, my marketing background, and what I'm doing here in sales all into one sort of business, which became Crafted 1K? It took a few years. You know, um, for a while, I ended up, I actually ironically got good at sales from that inside <laughs> job. So my career path kind of shifted a little bit and I went more of a traditional sales and business development route for about 12 years. And it wasn't until probably the last six months or so 
Um, I started, I've always been drawing. I started posting more on Instagram and I started noticing that there is a, uh, a lot of generic images and generic quotes that people are using for their posts mm-hmm. and, and internal messaging for maybe newsletters to their own employees and things like that. It just was, it was annoying to look at. You just flip through them. So I'm wondering, I started thinking, you know, what if I pull these old cartoons in again and then use some of my experience in sales and marketing to maybe create a service to help people stand out a little bit more. So after a couple months of, of thinking and thinking, I finally said, all right, let's just do it. So that's, uh, that's what happened uh, three months ago. Nice. Three month anniversary. Congrats. It is. Thank you. <laughs> and obviously there are some, some good benefits to cartoons of having an image or I, you know, something more eye-catching than just, like you were saying, just like a generic quote. Can you talk about a few of those benefits that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, it kind of boils down to, uh, I guess, three different segments is what I talk about is people remember cartoons. Um, you know, there's a, a, a concept called the humor effect. And studies show that when something's funny, it's more easily recalled. So the biggest benefit when you're using cartoons is just it makes a little, you can make light of a particular topic where in other words, it could just be very boring and rigid. Um, Even though some of that information that's boring and rigid is important and you need to understand it, if you can make it a little bit more funny, it'll sink in a little bit more uh, deeply than it would just, you know, plain text or an image of a mountain. And then the, uh, I mean, a couple other things are the obvious one, they're fun to share. You know, we grew up, I mean, I'm 34 now, so I I still grew up with a newspaper (laughs) reading that on the weekends. So, clipping those out, hanging them on the, uh, the fridge. I think my mother still has half of her fridge with random cartoons I created over the years. But we, uh, you know, we, we like to laugh and we like to laugh with others and share it. So cartoons are fun for your business because now you can share them you know, through any means that you use, whether it's through your social accounts, through your email, um, or obviously getting to speak it verbally through a podcast like this. And then kind of going off that humor effect, they're just, they're just more effective than your, your standard text. So when you're, you're likely to remember something like 10% of information that you just read, but if you read that information paired with a relevant image, you're retaining 65% more of that info. So it's right off the bat. It's just, it's, you're recognizing it more. It's staying intact because instead of just words, there's a picture that's tying everything together for you. So for me, that was, that was a lot of fun to figure out how I could do that with a cartoon and help those with their messaging. And so let's say that I am a business that is kind of struggling with my messaging and want to, you know, maybe reach some people using cartoons. What does that process look like in working with businesses? Well, a lot of times it'll come down to what's, what's your initiative? Like, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to just reach more people or you're trying to engage with who you currently have? And then once you get it, we get an understanding of where they want to try to go a lot of it would come down to what's the message you're trying to get out. Because ultimately, they're the ones, you know, the customers, the clients are the ones that are the masters of their brand. What do they want to talk about? What, what, do, they, what do they represent? What's the brand they want to portray, the message, the message they want to get out there? And for me, most of my cartoons now, on like the format I'll do for just my normal post is I'll take a topic I want to talk about, I'll find some interesting quotes, and then from that quote, the cartoon kind of comes to life. So for the clients, it's the same, same process of what's the message you're trying to get out there, whether it's a new product, a service, an initiative, or, or maybe 
a nonprofit that you're connected with or, or the message you want. And then just kind of through some creative juices, the cartoon comes out of that. And are you typically getting pretty, uh, pretty creative control on these or are some companies more hands-on with their approach? It's 50, 50. Um, ultimately they have the, they have the end say. So most of the times when we come out with an idea, I usually have up to three revisions. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's a mutual understanding where you guys have your message. That's important. You're hiring me. So you kind of know what my skill set is, but we also know we need to work together. So that's, so well, that's where the boundaries come into play, but 50, 50, some of them just say run with it. Others are like, well, we want to have it a little more tailored this way, or maybe watch some of the language on this particular topic. Do you have a preference on, on uh, which kind of style? Uh, I like both actually. Nice. The, yeah, obviously when it's free reign, that's, that's super fun, but also some of the constraints that they put on, you know, within reason, it's, it's a fun new challenge where you got to try to, fit what you're doing in not necessarily in a box, but in some parameters that will definitely challenge you creatively. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, and this is coming more from a writing perspective. Uh, if, if they're just like, Hey, write about whatever I'm like, uh, and just watching that cursor blink on the page. Oh, then, <laughs> yeah. The constraints out. can help sometimes. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Just, a, just a little path, a little guidance. It, it works out well. Awesome. And as far as distributing these cartoons, then you mentioned a couple different ways. Sometimes it might just be internal emails for uh, employees uh, that currently work in a business or maybe trying to get some more new fans, some more new clients and getting it out there that way. Have you found one method more effective than the other or is it kind of a, a whole integrated approach that works best? It's more integrated. It depends on uh, what they're trying to do. For example, you know, if you have a, a sales team that's trying to launch out some new initiatives, um, the cartoons work really well within their, their email newsletters or email messaging. Especially if you're trying to do, uh, you're going to set up uh, follow-ups with your team. It kind of brings to light, um, you know, maybe a challenging period you're going through, whether it's for looking for new growth or, or trying to get retention. The cartoon in that email kind of just lightens the load, but it also makes the team look forward to receiving it each week. And then... You know, on the flip side, uh, when someone's trying to do more of a promotion through social, um, the cartoons typically, they're typically going to be themed around the same either character and or topic. So the audience then gets to get a feel for, all right, let's see what the next three weeks are going to be, because this is kind of fun to see where this guy's going with this particular idea. I like that. It's like a a continuous sort of like adventure that uh, you get to see unfold over a span of a few weeks instead of all just at once. I like that. Yeah. You know, you know, very much so kind of reminiscence of the old, when you had the newspaper, the cartoons in the paper, you'd read a, a particular clip and then you're kind of like, all right, now I got to wait till next Sunday to figure out what happens next, but you're going to get next Sunday's paper because you want to see what happens in that next scene. Yeah. I always think when I, I, cause I would say now the, the bulk of my comic, I, consumption comes either online or uh, in those collection books that come out. Mm-hmm. And I always think when I'm reading it, I'm like, man, I wonder what this would have been like to read over. It's like going to Calvin and Hobbes, which we will also get back to in a bit. But uh, yeah. just some of those strips that were like, you know, two or three weeks long uh, storylines. And I just think of how fun that would have been to just, you know, each day come home and be like, okay, what's, you know, what's Calvin up to this, this day. Uh, and reading it all in a, 
collection all at once. I mean, it's still enjoyable for sure, but I always kind of wonder like, oh, I wonder if I would have kind of consumed this differently over the course of three days instead of three minutes. Oh yeah. I, I had the same conversation on a separate topic with my kids who were watching the show and like, Oh, I want another episode. And we're like, we're taking a break for the time. I'm like, you guys are lucky because you get to watch another episode. But when I wanted to watch another episode, we had to wait a whole week for another Tuesday at eight o'clock for the next episode of that show to come back on. But now, you know, they get at the click of their finger. Yes. I uh, remember having a, cover, a similar conversation uh, around Breaking Bad, which I yeah. didn't, didn't get into until the gap in the final season, how they, they ran like half of it and then took a, maybe the summer off and then came back in the fall with, with the final half. So I was watching everything from season one to like five and a half or the middle of five, all in that little time frame. And I was talking to someone and they were like, oh, so you probably saw how, spoiler alert to anyone who's listening, how the main character, Walt White, gets a lot more evil throughout. Because you're watching it faster. And they yeah. were like, I thought it was a lot more subtle because they had kind of like rewatched everything to like get back up to speed. They were like, yeah, when I was watching this, like I totally didn't realize kind of how sort of quick that that shift happens because they had been waiting every week to watch it. And so, yeah, it's definitely a an interesting mindset of how you consume something based on exactly. how quickly you can get it. Yeah, and that's, and that's what some of the cartoons play off of when you, when you have those campaigns where it's, you know, three, four, five long. It keeps, the, keeps your customers and your friends and your followers, whatever, engaged to see, all right, what's the next one? So it's, it works out really, really well. It's a cool format. And from a planning perspective, do you have everything thought out at the beginning or is it kind of like a, you'll publish one and then you're like, okay, I got to figure out how to, how to keep this going? Um, recently it's been more of, uh, uh, it, it, it'll come in bursts where I'll have this moment where I can bang out six, seven, eight, nine different, like what I feel like are just great cartoons for topics. It's fun. It's, and then there'd be other periods where I'm like just struggling to figure out like what's the next word I'm going to write. Um, so for those moments I got to kind of unplug and get away, but for the most part, when the idea comes, I'll know it. And then once it's there, it's like, let's just go until it ends and keep going with it. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. I can imagine that could be uh, stressful if it's like, oh, I need this next one to come out later today. And I've got Yeah. You can't, you can't force going. it. It's, it's tough. I mean, but then sometimes you're behind the deadline and you got to make it work. So it's, it's a lot of uh, get up, move, change a different room, put a different song on. You know, maybe, maybe grab a coffee or a beer, depending on the type of day. <laughs> 8 a.m., grab a beer. I like it. <laughs> we don't judge. It's 2019. <laughs> exactly. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Uh, and I, I wanted to touch a little bit on uh, lettering, because I remember reading uh, a Dilbert collection where Scott Adams had uh, little notes kind of in the, in the margins about the different cartoons and he mentioned there was like a week or two period where he uh, was battling arthritis or, or something in his hand and wasn't really able to do the lettering so he had someone else doing it and he's like I think it's so noticeable and I'm like I guess if you hold it up next to each other like a little bit I can see maybe like a slight difference yeah I, I imagine that's probably something that's more uh, more close to the the actual cartoonist um, that they would be more noticing of that but has your sort of like lettering style changed at all over the the years have you kind of had to hone it or was it just something that just came naturally and you've you've found it worked from the get-go no it's it's definitely been an, an evolving um 
I guess, craft that I've turned more to tech for than anything. My ch- my handwriting is chicken scratch. It's, it's somewhat <laughs> terrible, which is ironic because for someone that likes to draw so much, I can't write to save my life. It's like I've, my mind just moves so fast. <laughs> so when I, I did write a lot and they were okay, but it's still a challenge because every other S would look different and it would frustrate the life out of me. So for most of my cartoons now, I actually use an app called uh, Procreate to, to create them in. So I use a lot of the, the font and texts that Procreate has populated to kind of get a feel for, for the messaging and how I want to deliver. It's still a challenge. I mean, writing and writing in, 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 or using set text is, you still want to try to portray the, the voice that you're, that you're looking for. So it's, uh, it's definitely something I'm still working on, you know, as, as an artist to try to figure out the right way to have a text look to match with the picture. But yeah, I definitely have trans- transferred from more of a handwritten to using the, uh, the tech-based. Probably a little easier on the, the wrist too. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I do, again, of course, want to get back to Kelvin and Hobbes because sure. we're similar age. I'm 31. So we both, okay. we both had the newspapers growing up. Both Kelvin and Hobbes was, was there for us as kids. That's it. And so I like to kind of wrap up a lot of these episodes with the top three. And so since we're both Calvin and Hobbes fans, I'd love to hear if you have them, your top three Calvin and Hobbes strips. I'll also accept storylines if you, if that's a little easier. The top three. All right. That's a fun challenge. Um, one of them I'm trying to remember was it was a series of four or five strips. And I think Calvin had came across, um, it was some animal that had died. And I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but it was something, let's just call it. it I think it was a squirrel. Maybe it was a squirrel. I was going to say a bunny, but it died. And that was a really, I really liked how he wrote that strip out for the first, for the couple, where it showed a really different side to Calvin, a vulnerable side to him, where he didn't understand death, which is how I love what Bill, how he put these, these thoughts into images like that, where none of us really understand it that well. And he just talked about how it was a, uh, it could be such a cruel world sometimes. And, and then he gives Hobbs a hugs and says, make sure you don't leave me old buddy. And I love, I just love that strip. I, for some reason that always, always resonated with me. And then, then the funny one. So really anytime he was eating dinner and <laughs> this sinks in, cause I had my own kids where yuck, it's gross. It's, they don't even know what's it, what we made yet. But any of those strips were hilarious because the food would come alive. There's one that the food came alive and tried to eat him. You know, th- <laughs> those were always epic. And then uh, actually I have um, his leather bound collection of every cartoon he created. It's like a three leather bound books. My wife got me a number of years ago and I was reading it with my daughter the other day and I came across the, uh, the last one he ever did where it's, uh, it's a fresh snowfall. And they're talking about how this is such a magical place. Now let's go exploring. And that was kind of Bill's sign off. Yes. So that would be a sweet one too, because that's, uh, it comes back to kind of where I'm at in this point in my life with, with my young family and then branching out with crafted one K with cartoons is, you know, let's just go exploring. Cause for so long it was following the social norms of what you should do, get out of college, get a job, move up the ladder, you know, this, that, and the other. And, for this time, it's, it's kind of scary, you know, being on your own, being self-employed, because there's a lot of unknowns. 
particularly with kids, you got, uh, you got insurance you got to think about. Thankfully, my wife, we get that through her at this point. But yeah, that last strip, it's uh, just go exploring. I think that says a lot to, uh, at least for me right now. Yes, I love all of those. Uh, the, the dinner ones, for sure. I like when Y'all. the mom has to say like, Oh, it's it's eyeballs and brain stew. Like eat it up just to get him to eat it. He's oh, or, or he's bringing his lunch to school, and it's oh, yeah. you know, Susie Durkins is like, "What do you have today?" And it's like, oh, it's the insides of a lizard and, and eyeballs, <laughs> and it's just peanut butter and jelly. But oh, it's just terrific. Oh, it's so good. I gotta, I gotta get that that uh, leather bound collection. That sounds great. I feel like I probably have most of the strips of in some kind, but to have it all in one place like that. It's nice. Yeah. You know, I pulled it out the other day. I haven't looked at it in a little while. I have a couple of his random books kind of scattered on each floor of my house, but that was a, it's a cool, cool little collection they have. Yeah. And it's still amazing how we're we're coming up on 25 years after the last one and still, it's still just like so relevant. Like I'll peek at this. And it's like, oh. amazingly relevant, you know, and it's, there's so many topics in there. It just shows, you know, us as, as humans, we really haven't changed all that much because we're still going through the same type of issues, struggles, questions. There was one he did the other day, um, not the other day, but that I read the other day that had to do with the, the environment and how humans don't take care of it. It was something where Calvin was kicking a bunch of garbage that was left in a forest. I'm just, you know, we're thinking of the challenge we have today with climate change. It's just like, well, we haven't really learned a whole lot in 25 yeah. years. <laughs> Slightly alarming, for sure. Yeah, very, very sad. Everyone just listen to Calvin. Well, sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. they just get in trouble, yeah. Yeah, not all the time. We can't throw, throw snowballs at girls anymore. We get in trouble. <laughs> If you're interested in checking out some of Dave's work, head on over to Instagram and follow him at CraftedDave or head over to his website, Crafted1K.com and sign up for his Saturday morning cartoon series. He gives you these fun little drawings that come right to your email inbox. It's just as rewarding as waking up super early on Saturday when you were a kid pouring a big old bowl of cereal. Shout out to Reese's Puffs and Cinnamon Toast Crunch, probably my two go-tos as a kid before I was like, maybe I'll make my cereals a little bit healthier and throw in some rice checks, crispix, wheat checks sort of action there. But loved all the sugar, loved watching cartoons on TV. Special shout out to Recess, which I feel like a lot of people didn't watch that show. It's such a good show. Go find it. Go watch it. Recess is great. Dave is great. Lots of good stuff here. Thank you for listening. We'll still end with a corny joke. Live it up. Why did the picture get arrested? Because it was framed. Get after it today, people. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you dug this episode, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, or any other podcast app, I want to keep delivering great content to you. You want to keep hearing it. Tap that subscribe button. We'll see you next time.